0: Well, well, well. Anyone else want to preach? No, that's okay. Um, if, you don't, if I've not met you before, I'm Ian, in the Associate Minister here. I'm going to take us through these verses, and um, admittedly, they are. Um, it is a difficult passage. And I think you'll be one of two people as we read that. One, you will have drifted off and come back just when I came up at the end. Or you'll be someone who followed through and has a million questions as to what is going on. And both of those people will be able to be comforted by what we go through just now. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through the verses. And I think that the preacher, the guy who's wrote and written this, he wants to tell us something. He wants us to know something of how we're meant to live our life. How we're meant to live it to its fullness and flourish as people. And how we're meant to live it as people under God. But it is a difficult passage. So I'm going to pray for us as we do this and it's difficult in the sense that it is long is some of the stuff actually it says is really um clear and quite helpful to understand and we kind of agree with it but we do get lost in it so i'm going to pray for us as we um do that loving heavenly father we pray and um, this morning that you would guide us through your word that your spirit would speak to us we pray that um, in our weakness you make us strong We pray that this morning we are better equipped to live as your image bearers here on earth. That we are better equipped to speak about Jesus to our friends. That we are better equipped to live our lives as if you are in heaven and we are on earth. Help us this morning to go through this. Help anything that I say might be unhelpful be forgotten. And we pray that all glory would be given to you. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So, just as we um, begin, I'm going to have some things on the um, PowerPoint just to help us because there's uh, a lot going on here. But I just want to t- say two quick things. One is that this is in line with everything we've been looking at so far in Ecclesiastes. This is kind of not skipping a beat, this is going along the same lines that we have been going. And it's about a preacher who looks out on the world. And is trying to figure out how we're meant to live, and so for us here in Collinton or Benallie or Juniper Green or in Brunsfield or Morningside, it is how we're meant to best live, as if God is God, and we are not. That's what he's going to um, help us do this morning, and the way he's going to do that is he's going to. I'm going to break it up. Verse ten, uh, ten, verse 13, uh, nine, verse thirteen. Sorry, to ten, verse twenty. Sorry, am I, am I getting an echo? Is it really loud? Or my is. I think I'm hearing myself a wee bit. Are good? Okay, maybe it's just me. Um, What he's going to do is, um, 9 verse 13 to 10 verse 20, he's going to tell us that we are meant to live life wisely. That's what he's going to tell us. Live life wisely. And then, as refreshing as Ecclesiastes is, 11 verse 1 to 11 verse 6, is how we're meant to live life fully, freely. We're allowed to just live as creatures and we're meant to take risks, we're meant to take steps in faith, knowing that God is God and we are not. If, if, if there's a word I would use to kind of describe what he's going to tell us today, it's that we are all to just unclench. We're just to kind of loosen up a wee bit, relax, knowing we are not in control of everything and we're meant to live wisely in light of that. I was listening to um, a sermon in a different part of the country, and I don't think it would fly here in Colinton, but his title was... Don't be a dafty and wreck your life. That's what he would say for these verses. Don't be a dafty and wreck your life. He wants us to live wisely. And by wisely what I mean is Proverbs 9 verse 10 tells us the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It is to fear God. That is where we start, the starting point of what it looks like to live wisely. Understanding who we are and understanding who God is that we are to live in a world that is unpredictable, we are to live in a world that is consistently inconsistent, that there is nothing that we can control, that we will put up safety barriers like on a bowling alley and the world will and our life will just roll right through them. We have absolutely
1: no control.
0: The preacher will say to us, live wisely and freely in the unknown. There is not much we can control other than our actions in this world. We control our actions in a world where we control very little else. So we are to live wisely and live freely. That's what he'll say to us. So let's have a look at these verses to do that. We're going to look at verse 9, 13 to 16 to kick us off. I'm just going to run through these verses. And actually, I'm helped a lot by these verses because I don't have to give you really good illustrations because the preacher does it all for us. He helps us understand what he's talking about and helps us learn how we're meant to live as God designed for us. So look at it along with me at 9:13 to 16. I've also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little cry with few men in it, and a great king... Oh, sorry, there was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man... And he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. What he, what he wants to begin by saying is that wisdom is greater than strength. Wisdom is better than all the siege works that this great king was coming with. The little poor man had wisdom and it was greater than strength. And what he wants us to do is to cherish that wisdom. He wants us to cherish wisdom which is living as if God is in control and has told us how to live. We're meant to live in his design. Even though, as it says in verse 15, that no one remembered that poor man. It says in verse 16 that wisdom is despised. It is not heard. Wisdom looks weak. Wisdom looks Weak, And now this is where we can really resonate with this, because if wisdom is living God's way in this world, it looks weak, and we completely feel that. It looks weak, it looks unmemorable, it looks despised, it looks unheard. On the political scale, to stand up for what God says is despised and looks weak. On the day-to-day scale, I think all of us can resonate with this, it is unmemorable. If we're on a train and the conductor passes by us and doesn't ask for money for our ticket, to go then and pay, go to the station desk to pay the money actually takes more effort. It looks weak. It looks like we're living up to the man, the government, doing everything we're meant to do. It looks weaker. It is unmemorable. No one will know what we are doing. But God says, this is wise living, living with integrity in this world going out of our way in unmemorable ways if we are to live fully under God's law we will probably live a quiet life impress very few people and it looks weak that's what he's saying to us in verses 9 13 to 16 essentially says being a Christian is hard Jesus tells us pick up your cross every day and follow me even when it looks really really difficult and then he carries on, verses 17 of them, um, chapter 9 to 10, verse 1. I want to read these, and the, the poetry here is brilliant. What he's going to say is that a tiny, small bit of foolishness can ruin a whole raft of wisdom. Look at 9, 17 to 10, verse 1. The words of the wise, heard and quiet, are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Wisdom doesn't just look despised and unheard and unmemorable. It just looks less attractive. Foolishness, folly, is is loud and and abrasive and is, is in your face and it's flashy. It actually looks more enticing, but he says wisdom is better. In 2023, we we know this, that the loud and flashy things rarely has the weight and is usually overcompensating for something. I think in in politics, again, if we think of the, the snappy, loud headlines, they're rarely backed up. But when do we feel safest and best in our country is when our leaders are just quietly doing their job not grabbing the headlines. Wisdom is the thing we're meant to chase after and we're meant to do it attentively in every aspect of our life. Every day we are to live as if God is in control because a tiny bit of foolishness can ruin a whole raft of wisdom. The dead fly in the ointment is just this great picture of a perfume and he has this perfect, beautiful perfume and a dead fly drops in it and ruins it, gives off a stench. Or if you think on um, on a ship where they have the the, the big water, their drinking water for that ship, and just a couple of teaspoons or tablespoons of oil will ruin that for the whole ship, and they'll have no more drinking water. So a little bit of foolishness and foolish living will ruin wisdom. We know this in the life of great sportsmen who have done amazing things, and in one silly act, ruined it all. Tainted their impression. We know it in ministry, people who have been standing up for the gospel, proclaiming it, and then when they didn't listen to the word of God they were preaching, ruined their ministry, their legacy. Or the businessman who gets caught up in one scandal and it's ruined, and he's telling us, he's telling us here in Redeemer, be on guard all of the time. Live like God is in control and not like we are and it's better for us to do that. He kind of says the same thing in 2 and 3 of um, chapter 10. And it just, Sam um, told me to warn you, this is not a political statement, but he says, verse 2, a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. He is not making a political statement there at all. He is saying that in the right hand was kind of the symbolized blessing, and the left hand was less blessing. That's actually what he's saying, is to go and chase after the right hand is to chase after wisdom, and you will be blessed but to chase after less left, left, you will get um, less. And he kind of, These meant to be comedic. He's saying, even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. He's saying, even as the fool is on the right direction, he doesn't know where he's meant to be going. He doesn't have a clue where he's meant to be going. I don't know if you've ever seen um, those. or remember those adverts when we were told not to kind of drive fastly on the country lanes or we're meant to wear seatbelts in the car, and the, the, the advert was like, brutal. Like You remember watching a TV scene where you see a car crash and then you watch this advert. It feels so much more real and painful. Some of the noises, some of the things that are happening feel much more real and it was this deterrent to make us wear our seatbelts or to drive safely on the country roads. What he's doing here is he's going to show the fool and say do not be like this. This is not what you want to do because that's only going to lead you to a dangerous place and will cause a lot of damage the preacher challenges us to take the weaker option which is wisdom because it's actually better for us and so that's what he's doing from 9 verse 13 down to um, 10 verse 3 and you will see in your bibles that it doesn't break it up like this and it's very hard to figure out what he's doing because of the poetry he's doing but i think this is the best way for us to logically follow what he's doing he's telling us live wisely and he's going to say in an unfair world Despite how wise you might live, it is an unfair world. And I want to just kind of caveat all of this to say that that wise living is nothing, it doesn't do anything to save us. Wise living doesn't do anything to save us. The church is not a place of good people and wise people. It is a place of hypocrites, of liars, of sinners, of fools. Christians are the people who... Aim for this wise living, but fall short each and every day. And so I I caveat it just to kind of say that we're aiming for this. But God in his graciousness did not save us because we were good and wise. He saved us in spite of that. And this is what we're aiming for. We're to aim to be wise in how we live. And this is so this is not a plea to kind of, if you're not a Christian here today, to live better. Always what we will say from this pulpit and in this church is, we want you to know Jesus and Jesus alone. We pray that out of that, wise living might come in the sense that we are living under God. But we will always say we want you to know Jesus' death and resurrection. And as Christians, we stand here and say, I hope that I can live wise. I pray that I will be wiser and living like God is in heaven and I am on earth. But I will fail each and every day because when we mess up, God is still gracious to us in our folly. Still gracious to us when we mess up as much as the days we were running away from him. He is gracious to our mistakes. He is gracious in spite of the fact that we choose the flashier, easier option. The option that in the office might look like strength, but it looks better in the office to to do the thing that we think isn't right or we think isn't following in God's way. God would say, stand up and take the weaker option of wisdom, which is living like God is in charge. And I don't fear people. I don't fear what other people think of me. I fear the God who is in heaven who has told me how to live. Brilliant. So that's kind of the first like section of the first line that I was going to look at, which is that we are to live wisely. And then verses 10, 4 to 10, 7 are really helpful because it clarifies that the world we live in is never fair. We might live the wisest of lives and we're still going to live in a really difficult Place. He says this, "'If the anger of the ruler rises against you, "'do not leave your place, "'for calmness will lay great offences to the rest. To, to rest. "'There is an evil I have seen under the sun, "'as it were, an error proceeding from the f- ruler. "'Folly is set in many high places, "'and rich sit in a low place. "'I have seen slaves on horses and princes "'walking on the ground like slaves.'" What he says is fear and follow God in all of your life. Be on guard for that, even in an unfair world. Verse 4, he says, When the anger of a ruler rises against you, completely unfairly, he will say, hold your tongue. Stay calm in those moments. When you try your best to live a wise life and other people's foolishness hurts and pains you that you want to just bite back, he says, stay calm. And he carries on in verse 5, 6, and 7, the same kind of idea. He says that, why is it, he says, that incompetent people are in the top jobs? Why are incompetent people who don't deserve them in the top jobs? Look at what he says. There's an evil he sees under the sun, an error proceeding from the top. And it's that foolish people are in high places, and really good and wise and people who deserve it, the top jobs, are in low places. I have seen slaves, people who are low, Put on horses and I have seen people who are princes walking on the ground as slaves life is unfair and incompetent people get the chop jobs idiots are in places they shouldn't be and that's life Ecclesiastes is refreshing it tells us that's just life that's just what you to expect we are to remain calm in all of that in the foolishness of the world and I wonder if this is a helpful place to kind of ask a question to ourselves As we look through living wisely in this unfair world, what are ways in which we bite back at the unfairness of the world? What are ways in which we complain at life's circumstances that happen to us? He tells us live wisely like God is in control because if we live like God is in control in heaven, we understand that for whatever reason these things happen. This is the world that we live in. This is the brokenness that we inhabit. Do we bite back at the unfairness of someone getting the job that they shouldn't or the pay or that opportunity that we wished we had? And I think it's, it's a question for us is that we are allowed to speak to God and cry out to God and say, why are these things happening? But I think there's a difference between a cry and a complaint. A cry is saying, this is painful. This is the brokenness of this world. This is hard to deal with. A complaint is saying, I would have done that so much better. I would have followed or done something different in that situation. It's a complaint to God. So he says, wise living is living like we understand that we don't know everything. We understand that it is difficult. Live wisely, understanding that sometimes life sucks. But God is in heaven and we are on earth. And that is meant to comfort us through this. Brilliant. We're doing well. We're almost halfway through the verses. You're following brilliantly, which is just really good to, to see. Helpfully, next comes three things. He's going to give us that deterrent, that kind of car crash picture of what a fool looks like and what we're meant to avoid. The first comes in verses 8 to 11. The second comes in verse 12 to 14. And the last comes in verse 15 to 20. And if if you have the same Bible I'm using just now, helpfully it breaks it up just like I did, which is a comfort for us to know and for my kind of brain. So verse 8 to 11, he first says, don't be like a fool because fools don't plan ahead. Follow with me. Verse 8, he who digs a pit will fall into it and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. It essentially, says fools have accidents because they don't plan ahead. The first one, kind of, he, he digs a pit. He should have put barriers around it, but he falls into his own pit. It might not happen. The second one is that if, when you're building your extension in Collington I doubt that this will happen but if you leave it overnight, sometimes there's holes in the wall. And in Israel, snakes would get into those holes. And what happens is, is the person who's helping do that extension puts his hand straight in and gets bitten by it. He's not planned ahead, not thought what's going on. He who quarries stones is hurt by them. He's cutting the stones, he cuts the logs and is endangered like them in the last one verse 11 if the serpent bites before it is charmed there is no advantage to the charmer what he's saying is that the snake charmer opens up his basket and as he goes to grab his flute the snake jumps out and attacks him it's useless it's pointless all you're left with is a dead man and his flute and a snake in a basket the fools do not plan ahead and he's saying that foolish living causes pain when we live outside of god's design It causes pain. That's what he's telling us. To fear and follow God is to live like the God who is in heaven who created and ordered everything and has told us how to live. When we avoid that and do something else, we put ourselves in charge and we we see that in the world around us, we see that in ourselves. We see the foolishness where I see what God says and I read it that morning and that evening I'll go off and do something else. I'll get angry. I'll shout. I'll pretend that I'm in charge. Sorry. I'll pretend that I'm in charge, and not watching and, and looking over all these things. What he's saying is, but when we live by God's design, there is blessing. When we it, when we live it in a foolish way, it's like a sports car going into a field and trying to plough that field. It might do the job, but it will make a mess. It'll make a mess of the car they'll make a mess of the field. When we live outside of God's design, what we do is we cause pain to ourselves. The environment around us has feels that pain, and we cause pain to others. Foolish people don't plan ahead. Then he goes to the second one, and if you're sitting next to a husband or wife and you nudged them in the first one, you're definitely going to nudge them in this one. This one is fools don't know when to shut up. Verses 12 to 15. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favour, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what it is to be, and who can tell him what it will be after? The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way of the city. What he says of the wise man in verse 12 is wisdom has a good effect and wins favor on those around them. I want to say this carefully as I do this, but when we speak words that come from a heart that is fearing God, it brings blessing into the world. When we think through our counseling or our witnessing about Jesus, when we rightly fear God, it is a blessing because the opposite Is when we put ourselves in charge we consume ourselves and how we do i mean look at the word says but the lips of a fool consume him the end of the talk is evil madness a fool multiplies words though no one knows what it is to be and I, i think of this i think in my own mind when i'm most worried about things when i'm lying in my bed at night where words are multiplying and the situation grows and grows and grows It is always because I have forgotten that I don't control everything. It is always because I don't remember that God is in heaven and I am on earth. A fool does not know when to shut up, but even in their mind, they don't know when to understand that God is in control and it wearies him to the end. And then the last kind of thing that we see of a fool is verses 16 to 20 fools don't care for responsibilities the final thing he says is verse 16 to 20 he says this woe to you o land when your king is a child and your prince's feast in the morning happy are you o land when your king is the son of the nobility and your prince's feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness through the sloth through sloth the roof sinks in through the sloth, that'd be funny because it'd be an animal doing that. So, through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for the, a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature <laughs> will tell of the matter. Bad leaders make decisions that cause destruction. What he's saying there, verse 16, Woe to you, O land, when your king is like a child and your princes feast in the morning. And it contrasts that with happier you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility, your princes feast at the proper time for strength. Bad leaders are like children, caring only for the party and not for the work that's to be done. When they should be fighting, they are feasting before they've done their work that's what he he's getting at and all of it is just uh, destruction i think the verses kind of flow into each other differently than we've had before and he says that same leader through this through sloth the roof sinks in and through indolence of the house leaks so he is he is partying he is feasting he's not caring for the responsibility he's meant to have and it causes destruction and damage in his house (laughs) then verse 19 is one verse that I thought almost kind of undone everything we've done in Ecclesiastes so far right look at this verse bread is made for laughter wine gladdens life and money answers everything <laughs> how unhelpful a verse is that right I think what it is doing is and I've tried and it's hard to kind of figure out what it's saying but I think it's kind of carrying on the same line the king could say um, bread is made for laughter wine gladdens the heart money answers everything but instead of fixing his roof he had a feast and party. I think that's what he's getting at he didn't use the money he had for his own good and we finish in verse um, 20 with the same kind of idea that we've had this whole time we are to keep wise in all of this even in your thoughts when you see this king who has done all of these things in your bedroom don't curse the rich for someone will carry the voice of some winged creature. and it is just this kind of same idea that even though we're in this consistently inconsistent world that is predictably unpredictable, where there's things that we cannot control, even when we have leaders who are incompetent, even when we have people in our life who are incompetent, even when things happen the way we wouldn't want. Live like that is the case, knowing that God is in heaven, we are on earth, and we are to keep calm in all of those situations. We are to live alert in the unpredictable world. Jesus told his followers, Behold, I am sending you as sheep into the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpent and innocent as dove. Wise living is knowing that the world is going to be difficult, but living and remembering that God is the one who is in control. Once we recognize that God is in control, once we recognize that the world is unpredictable, we are to live always remembering God's way is the best us as people it is weaker it looks despised it's unmemorable but it is best for us we'll come back to ecclesiastes 11 and just finish really quickly but i want to go to ephesians chapter 5 if you have your bible and this is because sometimes the best way to interpret the old testament is to read what the new testament writers have written and just some of the language that is spoken about here is really helpful to kind of um help us how does this work out in our lives so if you go to Ephesians chapter 5 in the church Bible, that's nine seven eight, And I'm going to read from verse 11 and listen to kind of the similarities of wisdom and foolishness of living in a broken world. This is his command. Paul commands the church in Ephesus. And I think we're meant to take for us today. He says verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Now listen to these words. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing, speaking to one another in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in heaven of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to each other out of reverence for Christ. It is living wisely. In a world that is broken and difficult. That's what he has for us. In the world, the days that are evil understand the will of the Lord. So turn back to Ecclesiastes 11 and we'll finish up what we're going to do. We're not going to spend half as much time. Even that, we're going to spend a third, no, an eighth of the time in the last couple of verses here. 11 verse 1 to 6, right? So he said, live wisely in an unfair world. That's what he wants us to do. That's his command to us. And then these are some of, I think, the most refreshing verses in Ecclesiastes. But they don't seem like it on the first reading. It's, I think, verses that help us just unclench a wee bit to to hear what it is we're meant to be doing. It is that we live like we don't know everything, and we don't have control of them all. Follow along with me, verses 1 to 6. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves in the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where a tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bone of the womb of a woman with a child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed and at evening withhold not your hand for you do not know which will prosper this or that or whether both alike will be good there's a difference in what he's kind of saying in the tone that he said up until now the whole way through chapter nine and ten we've not had a single command we have three in a row he says cast your bread verse one give a portion to seven or even to eight verse two and verse six in the morning sow your seed verse one cast your bread upon the water because You don't know what the future is. Just throw it out. You don't know what's going to happen next. Verse 2, give because the world is uncertain. You might not have anything to give next time. Verse 6, so now because you don't know what will happen. You don't know if it will be a success or if it won't be a success. And the verse 5, I think, is the key for, for understanding all of this. How are we meant to live in a world where we are just meant to do things in faith? when we're meant to take steps out, whether that be in telling people about Jesus, whether that be taking a next life step, whether that be just in tiny little things. And it's because we don't control everything. Just like verse 5, you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with a child. Just like you don't know how from two cells life begins. So you do not know the work of God who makes everything. God tells us to live wisely, then commands us to trust that he rules over everything and we can't control it all. He says cast, he says throw, he says "So, Live fully and freely, trusting that God is in control of every aspect of our life. It is meant to be refreshing and saying, oh, thank goodness. I keep telling myself I control everything, and that's not the case. God is in control. And so, but in, I think it's helpful to kind of see that we, all of us will be sitting here and saying, yeah, it's really easy, but what about this? What about this? What about this? He says, verse three and four, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves from the earth. What he's saying is, if it looks like it's going to rain, it probably is. He says next, if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there'll be, if a tree falls over, it'll probably still be there. So he's saying, don't invest money in something that is obviously going to lose a lot. Don't move home, move house, move your family to a place where you might be isolated or alone. But if there is not a rain cloud hanging over it or an obvious kind of situation of what is going on, the question he asks is, is it because we fear we don't have control, that we don't fully trust that God might do something with it? He might take that and run is the reason we're not taking steps because we fear situations, we fear what people will think. And that's in contrast to fearing the God who is in heaven, who rules over all, who tells us, cast your bread upon the water, for you will find it after many days. You might find it in a long time. Give, and it might come back. Because tomorrow you might lose everything. He's kind of freeing us up. He's saying life is extremely hard live a little less tight-fisted in money in our life, in our control of situations. You kind of, I think the thing that is worse than either success or failure is failing to live in the first place, being completely paralyzed by fear of failure that we never try. If we look at all the things, if we tick all the things that God would tell us in his word, living wisely, following his way, There are times we are to take steps in faith. That might be in our job, it might be in our relationship, that might be in the problem you watch in the the office that you want to kind of fix. That might be in a move, that might be in a promotion, it might be in stepping back from work. If we look at all the things, sometimes God tells us to take a step in faith. And he tells us that as well as we tell people about Jesus. Because we have absolutely no idea what God will do. Listen to the similarities of verse 6 to what Jesus tells of the parable of the sower. In the morning sow your seed and at night withhold not your hand for you do not know which will prosper, this or that or whether both alike will be good. Cast it out, sow it because you have no idea how God works. When we look at each other here today there is no reason that we have had this seed planted in us and it grown. And we don't know why that can't be the case for someone else. We are to kind of sparingly kind of fleetingly just no opposite we are to throw it out as much as we can we are to throw out the gospel we are to throw out and take steps in everything that god has given us look at the world judge it and then ask the question am i not doing that because i fear people around me or the situations that i don't have control over god works in the unknown live wisely live freely is his commands to us fearing God and his commands are the fruitful way of living knowing we don't know everything but God works in that is the way that we are meant to live our lives, God's in heaven we are on earth, we are his creatures whom he loves and has saved so why don't we live a little less like we run this place and more like he does let's pray Lord God we thank you for Um, your word, we thank you for helping us get through um, what is difficult but we pray that the difficulty of understanding the passage doesn't obscure from the difficulty of just relinquishing control and our power over things. Help us to hand things over to you who is a God who is good what we control in this world is our actions and what we do but we don't control a lot else Help us to live in faith, trusting fully that you are a good God, that life is a gift and not gain. Help us to live in faith that you are a great God. Praise in your name. Amen.